In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Welcome to the Man Card Podcast and our mission to build an army of men in the arena who are becoming the best version of themselves in changing their world. Males are born. Men are made. We're going to separate the men from the boys. A man is as a man does. We want to help you to become the best version of you. Theodore Roosevelt spoke about this rare breed saying, the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. That's awesome. The man card belongs to those protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. A man is as a man does. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we we salute salute you. you. Guys, we honor you for grinding it out. In the stress bubble of life, males retreat in the anonymous bleachers, but you've jumped in the arena and into the fray of manhood. And for that, we thank you. And thank you also, guys, for listening to this episode of the Man Card Podcast. Guys, we are pumped that you're here with us today. Our goal is to call you into the arena, to call you out of every obstacle preventing you from becoming your best version, and to call you up to higher levels of manhood. I'm Jim Ramos. I'm here with the Mix Master. The doctor of sound, Dr. Pat George. How you doing, Dr. I'm George? Good. good morning, man. Good, good to, to have back. you here, buddy. Good to be back from you've been about, about a month you've been gone. Oh, yeah, a month and a half. Oh, the retirement must be must rough. Be nice. Must yeah. be nice. Must be nice to retire. Yeah. So and of course, as always, the backbone of the MCP, our producer, co host, and good friend Dale Culver. How you doing, Dale? I'm doing massively great. Massively great. Yeah, That's I'm, a new one. It's oh, hard, man. You say the same thing every time, and you're like, this feels so like bleh so canned no it's, it's like I'm the reading sun the is out dude i've been working on my back porch with my laptop it's been amazing oh, i thought you were gonna say you're working on your back and your lats are getting better but yeah. no he's working Shirts on the off. he's working on the lattice yeah. in the backyard <laughs> yeah. instead of his lats in the gym right <laughs> it's pretty though that wisteria is just climbing oh, up wisteria. i'm just afraid that oh, i'm scared that you even know the word wisteria i don't know i don't know what that is clematis i forgot so i, I, I don't even know there. is that some kind of like disease or something <laughs> okay so oh, hey do you, i'm gonna guess the man word today Based on our guest, it is based on his title. Okay, of his based ministry. on his title, Simon. No, oh, okay, I, I, I can't. Oh, I man. was going to give you a trick. heads up earlier, but I was like, I'm no, just going like to go with my gut. It. I'm going okay. with my gut. The man word for the day is mentor. Oh, that's wonderful. But you went with kicking. I or think. Something. We- <laughs> I think we've done mentor, so I couldn't do that one. Oh, what did you got? What did you got for me? Bear. You got bear like B A R E or yeah. B E A R B. Not like bear, like when I'm working on the back porch with no shirt on. 
<laughs> okay, so yeah, so so why did you go with the word bear? Because <laughs> it's in his title, and and so I was thinking about the spirit. This is what happens when you don't plan ahead. No, no, no. I plan ahead. So like bear, <laughs> bears are you know the whole thing like bears are cuddly and lovable, but they're also they'll tear your head off to protect their young, and so uh, that's I was like, yeah, that's manly, right? So I, for my kids, I'm like that loving father. But if you like try to mess with my family, you you might get hurt. You might get the koala yeah. bear I will, baby. I will do whatever. The panda, the panda is coming. I will protect them, <laughs> and I'm going to love them at the same time. Uh, you know, the as a youth pastor, all those years, people, the kids would ask, "What's your spirit animal, or what's your animal?" And I, it's a grizzly bear for me. Yeah, you look like one. I'm like a loving, cuddly guy, but do not get me angry because mm-hmm. then I. Yeah climb up a tree and hide somewhere from you so uh all right well hey I, before right. we get into our interview we've got a great great a magnum guy on our podcast i'm super excited about introducing him to you but i want to talk about our men in the arena facebook forum for men this closed group in over just under four months has grown to 7200 men from all over the world and that's super exciting also i want to invite you two guys ray you're also invited man on june 30th to july 1st we are doing our first ever death ruck Yep. We're going to hike yeah. 44 miles uh, over the Coast Ridge Range. And yeah. if you think you're man enough, it is no cost. We're just going to do that thing. Pat and I are driving the pace car. So you're going to drive that. the medical vehicle? <laughs> we we'll drive the medical vehicle. So we, yeah, we <laughs> don't want to. We need the doctor to be healthy to administer first <laughs> aid to, right. the, to the big guy. Who's I get the, to use yeah. the paddles. I'm going to have a cooler. Don't spank. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm going to need a little Claire. shock therapy, baby. I'm down. Oh, Esther, Esther, the big one. Okay, anyway. Hey, you also, may be the oldest one from what it sounds like. I, I think I will. Well, um, David Dusek, I think, is coming out from Florida. He has a ministry called yeah. Rough Cut Men, and he's the same age as me, 52. Okay, so same age. Okay. 52. So anyway, also, we got some good news this week for all of you listening. Uh, we are now on Honor FM in Australia every Monday night at 7 That's o'clock. That's right, mate. So uh, put another shrimp on the bobby. They don't ever say that, by the way. No, I'm sticking up. Do for they my say in Australia? This is a knife. No. Okay, whatever. <laughs> it's not how they say it either. That's what is that? <laughs> that's not a knife. This is a knife. Okay, that's more like a pirate show. Okay, our <laughs> knife. knife. Hey, last you. thing I want to say is the man card. Uh, five characteristics separating boys from men is out, and it's on Amazon. And we're going to do a book launch party on Sunday, June 24th here in Oregon. Uh, we've only got room for 100. We're going to have a concert, and just really, we just are really excited about this book and the lives it's already changing and, and touching. I had one guy uh, went through this as a devotional with his kids, and so he's got four sons, so I'm super excited. So, hey, but let's get into the meat of the podcast. want to brag about our new friend and our guest today, Mr. Ray Howell. Ray is 63 years old. He lives in Minnesota, right? Minnesota, Ray? Yep, yep, right on the Mississippi River. Holy cow, you're a long ways from Oregon, man. So, man, we're excited. So, Ray, is he's the founder of Kicking Bear Ministry, and their mission is, I love their mission, to put a bow in a kid's hand and lead their family to the Lord. But I love this phrase here, one-on-one. He's been doing that 18 and a half years he's been in the game. 
Uh, he's had many articles in, in magazines written, no books published. But I want to read. I went to another website, and I found this on 365-Day Whitetail, I think, something like that. And I want to read what they wrote about you, Ray. It says, Ray Howe's youthful years were filled with boyhood dreams of hunting and fishing. However, these boyhood dreams were not to become a reality until after he turned 18 due to working on his foster parents' farm. He didn't have anyone to teach him about hunting or fishing until Tom Pokey. Yep. Pokey, his social worker, took Ray on his first whitetail hunt. He only hunted with Tom and his family four times during his high school years, but it was he was hooked. He harvested his first harvested his first deer when he was 19. Ray's competitive nature led him to become involved in the sport of powerlifting, and he successfully broke several drug-free state, national, and world records mm. after he turned 18. So this guy's like, mm. he is the grizzly bear. Okay, he is the kicking bear. Ray and his wife Karen have a family of nine children, 30 grandchildren, 10 great-grandchildren. They live in south, the southeastern part of Minnesota. And Ray successfully harvested many Pope and Young whitetails, which are his favorite animal hunt, following his boyhood dreams. They have taken him to the frigid, cold snow of the Arctic, the wilderness areas of Mexico, throughout the forests of Canada, the remote regions of the Yukon, and in many of the 50 states, including Alaska, on his quest to harvest, harvest 28, Pat, 28 wow. North American animals. I'm jealous. I am too. Travels to South Africa have allowed Ray to harvest a variety of planes game, which also has been a dream come true for him. Ray has written many magazine articles and has been featured on the on the covers. He's also received several prestigious awards. Outdoor Life's Top 25 Reader's Choice Award, Pope and Young Club Stewardship Award, and Muzzy's, killed my first elk with a Muzzy, Muzzy's Tall Man Award. He feels humbled to have received such recognition and gives honor and glory to God. Actually, the big one, the second oh, elk was killed. Oh, not the, the baby the, over here. The Pope and Young Elk. So, man, we've got, this is a magnum guy. He's been married yes. to his beautiful wife, Karen, for 24 years. Ray, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. We're so glad you're here, man. So <laughs> how are you feeling right now? Hey, it's all good. And I, and, I feel good. All right. Well, we're going to throw you into the fray, my friend, and we're going to start this off. We want to get to know you. We want to get the juices flowing. We're going to throw you into what we call our rapid fire round. All right. So now I know you're a bow guy, but but I'm sure you're okay with picking up the rifle for this one. And for you, Ray, I've chose the would you rather round. All right. So uh, I'm going to ask you some questions. Now, this one here is almost not a fair question, but it's kind of a, 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 a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek here. But would you rather shoot a Bowtech or a Matthews? Oh. Matthews. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You've got to say that, right? Because, uh, yeah. So you know the story behind the slow cam? Yes. Yeah, that's a great story. You had a dream, and that's a great story. So, And we both know the former owner of Bowtech, so I know he's a friend of yours, and uh, so good stuff. So anyway, would you rather be a mentor or hold meetings and events? I would rather be a mentor, to be honest with you. But God has called me to meetings and events, so I got to go where I'm called to. Well, I, I've noticed that you do meetings and events all over the country, but the purpose of those events seems to be to uh, set up mentorships. Is that accurate? Yeah, it's, it's to get other uh, men to step up, to uh, step out of their everyday life and take a kid off the streets and, and show them what a real life is. And that's, that's uh, part of what I do as I uh, travel and, and, and speak with uh, groups. Man, that is, I want to come back to that in a second. 
Would you rather talk yourself out of a situation or fight your way out? Uh, <laughs> depends if it's a grizzly bear or not. <laughs> I, I'd be okay with a panda bear, but the grizzly bear, I don't know. Well, I, to be honest with you, uh, in uh, reading the scriptures, I found that words are much more powerful than your hands will ever be. Yeah. So I would talk my way out. Yeah, if if you can talk yourself out of a situation, that's the way to go. Especially if a guy your size, I don't think anybody's going to want to have to have you fight your way out. So, <laughs> I uh, when I was a boy, part of the reason that I started doing what I did, I was bullied all the time, and I mean I got beat up real bad. So when I turned eighteen years old, I got into the sport of powerlifting, not to win, just to keep uh, these bullies away from me. And not to hurt anybody. And I didn't realize how competitive I was until I went to the first powerlifting tournament and got the daylights beat out of me there. I didn't want to lose no more. Wow. Well, I want to, I've got a question about that in a second, so I'm going to wait. But uh, the powerlifting really intrigues me. So would you rather climb Mount Everest or skydive out of a plane at 30,000 feet? I think I'd skydive out of the plane at 30,000 feet, to be honest with you. Uh, that, that being up in the cold like that and, and, uh, all the stuff going on, I, it, it's too far along to be away from my uh, wife and family. Oh, that see, that's, I've never heard that before. That's really good. I'd love to make an attempt on Everest, but you know, you got to cross those crevasses and they use ladders and ladders. They have a 250 pound weight limit. <laughs> so, so that scares me a little bit. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm okay with the crevasse, but I'm not okay with the weight limit on that ladder. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to tell you right now, uh, worse than a ladder. My wife looked at me a while back and said, Ray, when you hit 250 pounds, I'm pulling the pin. That's way worse than falling off Mount Everest, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you're a big dude. How tall are you, Ray? I'm 5'9". Oh, you're 5. Well, then you got to be close to 250 because you're a thick-looking dude. Uh, I'm I'm at 232 right now. I mean, I'm tell you what, I watch it pretty close now. When I was competing, I was always around 247. Okay. Yeah, so I competed at 242s. Wow. So, okay, because so 5'9, that makes sense because you, you got a build like me, but you're a little bit shorter. So, wow, 232. Sweet. Hey, would you rather die for your country or live for a cause? Boy. Uh. Boy. <laughs> I, would, I would certainly put my life up for my country. I would. I would live for the cause of Jesus Christ. That is a hard decision. Yeah. Although, if God called me to be on the front line as a warrior in some foreign country, I would go in a heartbeat. So, I guess I would die for my country. That's see, that's a tough question because you because it's kind of a real creates a lot of conflict. So, appreciate your answer, man. That was good stuff. So, hey, I want to move into the, kind of the, the meat of what we're going to interview uh, on. But I just before we get going, Ray, I just want to have you take about five minutes and just uh, tell whatever you want about your personal story, things you enjoy, your hobbies, anything else you'd like our listeners to know about you. Well, uh, I'll tell you what. The day I gave my heart to the Lord, my life changed. Before that, and uh, in, in living this earthly life, I blamed people. I uh, was uh, upset. I was focused on making a lot of money and 
whacking a lot of animals and setting records, you know. And, and one of the things I found out was it wasn't how good I was. It was how persistent I was. Mm. If I was persistent, I, it would pay off. It only took one time to do what you wanted to do. But the goals always got bigger. If my goal was to kill a, a 360 bull elk, next thing you know, I'm going after a 400. Yeah. If, if my goal was to have a million dollars in the bank, next thing you know, I was going after two million. And, and setting records uh, in powerlifting, too. Uh, you see, those were my gods at one time. Uh, when I set a record, a world record, I wanted to reset that record so it would never get broke again. And so uh, I found that as competitive as I was and, uh, and all these things that I was after, there was no ceiling to it, none mm. whatsoever. And uh, I, I don't care who you are, when you accomplish things, you go after the next thing. Uh, that is up there and that's the way I was so growing up the way I did as a a boy uh, my father left us when I was five years old and uh, that was the worst day of my life Mm. and uh, uh, I was in the back seat of his car kicking and screaming don't go don't go and they pulled me out on the ground held me down my dad drove out of the driveway and we stood at the window every day waiting for my dad to pull into the driveway after that, after work. He never came home. My dad was fun when he came home. He threw us around. We played a lot of games and stuff. But for whatever reason, uh, I know what it is now. My dad left them, but I took it like it was my fault. Wow. And uh, my, my grandpa showed up, yeah. and uh, my grandpa got to uh, be my dad. I mean, he was my leader. I mean, he was awesome. My grandpa's the greatest guy I ever met in my life. He even bought me my first bicycle. I lived with him until I was 12 years old, and uh, my grandpa had gotten cancer. And there was a situation, again, where this dark cloud came over the family. There was no more joy, no more fun. It was uh, my grandpa passed away, and it was all about uh, bills. My mom and my grandma, they uh, uh, they were confused, and, and there was troubles. There wasn't a, the spiritual leader in the family. And, and for me... Uh, Going to school and having bullies picking on you, I didn't have a big brother or a, a dad or a grandpa to put his hand on my shoulder and say, hey, leave Ray alone. And that didn't happen. I had, to, I had to fight it off on my own. And, you know, I found the best way to do that at that time was to hang around with other kids that had the same situation as I did. Mm. Because, uh, and what ended up happening was school became secondary uh uh, and doing things on the streets uh, became more fun because I'm hanging around with the wrong kids. And you start drinking, you start partying, you start not going to school, you start not coming home at night. And everything you can think of is out there. Yeah. You know, I didn't realize it at the time, but the devil had a pretty good grip on me. Hmm. And uh, my dad and mom, the only thing they did wrong was they weren't in the scriptures together. The the devil formed a, a wedge between them. And, and then what ended up happening, the kids were poured out onto the streets and the devil turned us into puppets, did whatever he want with us. And so going forward, uh, at the age of 13 and 14 years old, uh, I ended up going home one day and the social worker was standing there and uh, he pointed at me. I didn't know who he was, big intimidating guy. I found out afterwards. He pointed at me and he says, uh, Ray, sit down. And I don't know who this guy is, but I'll tell you what, at that moment, I lost my freedom. Mm-hmm. And uh, they took me and my brothers and sisters, and they put us in two different cars, 
and I went to a, a work farm that they called a foster home. I got up every morning. I milked cows. I went to school smelling like a cow, and I came <laughs> home and I milked cows. I didn't get to go fishing. I didn't get to go. I didn't get to do nothing except work. And I was imprisoned into a life that it wasn't my fault. I just didn't have a dad. I didn't have somebody to grab a hold of me and, and say, uh, straighten out. And, you know, I hated my life so bad that I ran away from that foster home. And uh, when I ran away, I'd go back down by my friends, people who I felt I was comfortable around. And, uh, you know, about the first uh, week when I ran away the, the first time, a week went by and uh, they picked me up. And for truancy, they threw me in jail for three days and then took me back to the foster home. This is to teach me a lesson so I wouldn't do it again. Well, let me tell you something. I hated it. Yeah. So every time I got a chance, I ran away from that foster home. And uh, I, the last time I ran away was the fifth time. I went down to see my mom. I gave her a big hug because she was the only person I had in the whole world. Everything else was uh, nobody cared about uh, little Ray. <laughs> I mean, it was it was a it was bad. I went and seen my mom. I gave her a hug and told her I loved her, you know, and I wasn't there five minutes. And the police picked me up. And you know what? I'm going back to jail. I didn't get to hang around with my friends. I'm heading back to a foster home. Mm. And I want to tell you, when you're at the end of your rope, you don't care anymore. You don't care about the life you're living. And then you're thinking, gosh, mom called the police. I know it had to be mom that called the police. The only person that you cared about in the whole world just called the police on you. I look back on it now, she did it for my own good, but back then it didn't seem like that. So sitting in jail for three days, uh, it was a nightmare. And I remember the first night I went into jail, I'm on a concrete floor and kneeled up against, leaned up against a, a steel bed and I prayed to a God I didn't know. Mm. I said, God, would you please put somebody in my life that will be there for me and would never leave me? You see, that's all I've had so far was rejection and, and people leaving out of my life and things going on that I can't understand. And uh, that, to me, was wishful thinking. I, I didn't know God at that time. And uh, sitting in jail for those three days, waiting for that walking nightmare to walk in and come on in, i got to take you back home. That's the words I'm going to listen to. <laughs> uh, it was pretty rough. And uh, the last morning sitting there, uh, I went out onto the steel bench that was out there. I had my cornflakes and my coffee. It was the worst tasting food you ever had in jail. I'm going to tell you what, it was bad. <laughs> and uh, I, I still remember it. There was a magazine I had not seen before sitting on that bench, and it was a hunting magazine. And, you know, I opened up that magazine, and I started, man, there's pictures of elk and bear and, and all kinds of critters, and there are stories about people going hunting. You know, I didn't realize it at the time, but the depression that I was in at that moment, I was taken out of it. And I'm reading about this, man, it's Africa and Canada and Alaska. Are they real? And I think, gosh, people really get to do this? But, man, I don't get to do this. And just then, the door opened up, and the exact words that I wanted to hear, come on, Ray, I want to, I got to take you back to your home. I'll tell you, when I walked out that door and was walking to his car to take me back home was the worst few minutes of my life because I wasn't going back to the home anymore. I had made a plan that at the first stop sign, I'm jumping out. I'm taking off running. I'm not going back to the friends I know. I'm heading to the big city. I didn't care if I lived or died. I'm going. I'm not going to be imprisoned into this life no more. 
And, you know, uh, thinking about it for three days. And I'm scared to death. I want you to know that. But I'm going to do it. So we're going down the road. I'm looking for the stop sign. And uh, this probation officer, he says to me, he says, Ray, I seen you read the hunting magazine in there. He said, would you like to go hunting sometime? And I looked at him and I said, man, that would be cool. I'm a tough kid. I ain't supposed to be talking to a probation officer. <laughs> he, says, he says to me, he says, I'll tell you what. You promise me that you don't run away from that foster home again. I'm going to find you a better home to live in. And he says, in the meantime, I'm going to take you uh, hunting with me and my sons. Now, it took me a minute, but I made that promise. And I went right back to the foster home. I went, got up every morning milking cows, went to school smelling that cow and milking cows again. But I had this dream that he's going to really call. Something about him really made me think he was going to do it. And, you know, uh, I remember the day my foster mother walked up to me and said, Ray, uh, Tom Pokey's coming on Friday with his sons and he wants to take wow. you honey. I'll tell you what, I could have just about screamed at the top of my lungs. Are you kidding me? This is really going to happen. And, you know, on Friday, Tom came and I met his sons. We got in the car. We're heading to this cabin out in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, you know, we, that, I mean, what a dream out in the middle of nowhere. And, and we're shooting bows and, and uh, campfire, telling stories. I was so excited that night about the possibility of seeing a deer the next day. I didn't even take my hunting clothes off. I was up all night long. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting to go. And, you know, uh, at 4.30 in the morning, the alarm clock goes off. I could hear it go off. Bang, the door flies open. There's Tom standing there. Come on, Ray, you got to come with us. And the boys get up and they're out the door. They go, everybody's half asleep. They run right off the dock and jump into a, a pond out back in the <laughs> cabin. And they're splashing around. It's dark out. And I mean, it's cold. It's dark. And they're, come on, Ray. Come on. This is tradition. You got to come with and jump in here with us. You guys are nuts. I ain't jumping in that cold water. And, you know, it wasn't very long. And I jumped in. And I remember jumping in. And what an experience. Because, you know, at that point, I really became a part of that family. Hmm. I had the most amazing two days of my life uh, hunting and telling stories and shooting bows. I remember seeing the first white-tailed deer I ever saw. I had buck fever so bad. <laughs> I, probably, I probably still ain't thinking straight over it. But uh, the, uh, the thing about what happened that weekend, more than anything, I now had a man in my life that, for whatever reason, cared about me. And on the way back to the foster home, I'm going back to the foster home after the best two days of my life. And he said to me, he said, uh, Ray, he said, you're going to be 18 years old soon. And when you turn 18, he says, you can have your own job, make your own money. You can have your own family and you can go hunting. You're an American, you're free, and this you can do. You know, I had somebody I could talk to now. I had somebody I could call when there was a problem. And Tom kept his promise. He helped me get into a better foster home. I got to go out for sports. And there was a lot of different things that had happened toward the end of my high school career because of that man, and I got to go hunting. And I'll tell you this, everything that he told me, when I turned 18 years old, I was out of prison, this imprisoned life. Hmm. And it was like somebody let the cat out of the bag. I went after everything. I got married. I had, uh, I've been blessed with a, a baby girl by the time I was 19 years old. I shot my first white-tailed deer when I was 19 years old with a bow. And, uh, you know, 
uh, I started uh, uh, the sport of powerlifting mainly because I didn't want to be picked on anymore. But, you know, what was pretty interesting was after five years of time, uh, I, I would win a tournament once in a while. After 10 years, you're winning quite often. After 15, you're setting some records. And you couldn't believe what it was like for me to receive a letter from the United States Powerlifting Association asking me to compete for the United States. Whoa. And, you know, I got that letter and I told Karen, I said, let's just put it in the frame hanging on a wall because I never <laughs> see anything like this. And, you know, I trained hard. And uh, the day of the tournament, it was a five-day tournament. And there was people from all over the world there, Russia and Japan and, and everywhere, Germany. And there were so many interpreters because nobody could speak English. And everything was in uh, kilos instead of pounds. But, you know, it was amazing. I did my best. I did my absolute best. And I remember telling Karen, because of the confusion with some of the weights and stuff, I told her, I said, if the Russian walks up for second place, I know I want it. And, you know, whew, what an incredible, what an incredible accomplishment it was to walk up and win first place at the 242 pound class and have the American flag uh, uh, behind you and, and realize the accomplishment that you just did. Was this the Olympics? No, it wasn't the Olympics. It was just a, a straight out uh, ADFPA uh, association, uh, but it was a world tournament. It was a world drug-free tournament. Okay, you get, you're, you're killing me right now. I need to know how much you lift. Like, what's your max? What was your max squat, bench, clean? I mean, how? What? Because what, I'm sure you're throwing some heavy metal around. Holy cow! Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I had about a six forty four deadlift, and my my squat was probably my weaker of all lifts. I was in the uh, uh, five five fifty five somewhere around there. I did with a squat, bench press. Uh, I had done raw. Uh, I broke the world record at four oh five, and that's and natural. That's natural. Yep. That's no, no equipment, no nothing. Just going in with a pair of shorts and, and a t-shirt. <laughs> no bench press shirt. <laughs> no bench press shirt. Oh man. Now, that's... I, I tried a bench press shirt one time and I, I was, it was so uncomfortable. I pushed uh five thirty eight up like it was a toy. And uh, that shirt gave you that much more uh, behind you and being able to push it weight up in here it was incredible wait you went from a 405 bench to a 538 bench because of the bench press bench press shirt yes i did they actually Holy make that God. yeah it's a big difference they make bench press shirts huh. now that i heard guys go up into the 600 to 700 pound range because of the shirts and you know you go on a raw thing and and these guys can't much do much over 400 pounds well yeah, I, yeah. Wow. I was uh, when, when i was playing college football i was always told if you have over a 400 pound bench you're probably on steroids because a 400-pound bench natural is pretty darn tough. <laughs> well, after so many years of doing it, now the powerlifting became a way for me to stay away from the drinking, the carrying on, and to stay focused on my business. Man. Every day every day at 1130, I went to the gym, worked out, came back to work and because uh, uh, it became a stress reliever. It gave, it, you know, when you have things that are always going upside down around you, you got to have something that you feel good about that you can get yourself out of all that stuff and uh, and do something that uh, you're upbeat about. And for me, uh, the weightlifting was I set my uh, goals and I went after it. And, you know, 
there's ups and downs in business, there's ups and downs in life, but then I had the powerlifting that really uh, was something I excelled in. And, you know, the same thing with a, a bow in my hand. You know, to, to be able to uh, shoot a bow accurately. And, uh, you know, John Strassheim, they built bows that were incredible. And uh, he's a wonderful man. And so back in the days when I used to cut ribbons for the grand openings for the uh, stores, it was it was pretty eye-opening because, you know, the ribbon is only maybe about an inch and a quarter wide. And you're standing back at 21 yards and a little high or a little low, you find out what kind of man you are when you got to take the second arrow up because there's three to 600 people around you. Uh, it sounds like a Harley Davidson around you grumping and roaring at you because you missed. I mean, it's not good. Wait, hold on. <laughs> How hard can it be to cut something with scissors? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, we're well, hey Ray, we're going to come back. We're going to hear from our sponsor. We'll be right back at you. Hold on one second. The Man Card Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is building an army of men in the arena who are becoming the best version of themselves and changing their world. The war to change your world is epic. Every battle counts. Every man in the arena matters. So get in the game by joining our closed Facebook forum for men called The Men in the Arena. There you will lock arms with men from all around the world. This is a great page, guys. Hey, if you want to learn more about becoming the best version of you, go to themancardpodcast.com, grab a copy of The Field Guide, my bathroom book for men, with 365 daily readings about what a man is and does using famous quotes and epic stories. I wrote this book for men who don't read books. Guys, you're going to love this book. Pick up a copy today following this episode. Thank you again for jumping into the arena with us and championing the greatest battle of our time, the fight to change your world. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Okay, we're back here. So, man, I'll tell you what, that would uh, talk about target panic with an arrow and uh, 600 people around. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty amazing. The, uh, there's so many stories. I cut about 70 ribbons at grand openings altogether. And I, and I can remember out of, out of 70 of them, there is two of them that was just an unbelievable nightmare for me. <laughs> oh, but man, how cool so, to have that opportunity. Well, hey, I want to hear about what you're doing, man. You've got this ministry called Kicking Bear. Uh, can you tell us about Kicking Bear? Yeah, I can. What's amazing in my life, uh, I made two promises. And, you know, my second promise was to uh, God. I promised I was going to follow Jesus Christ. And, you know, and his promise is the same thing. Ray, I'm going to make you a hunter of men, and I have a better home for you when I bring you home. It's the same promise I heard from Tom. On that day, in that moment, my life changed, and God told me, he said, you've only got this much time left on this earth. Mm. And, you know, I don't know if I got five minutes from now. I didn't know if I had a day. I didn't know how long I had. All I knew is that I didn't have time for my business anymore. I didn't have time to set records in powerlifting, and I didn't have time to uh, go out and whack animals. And I told my wife, Karen, God told me that all the animals on my wall are going to be on somebody else's wall. My name's not even going to be on them. What did I accomplish there? Nothing but for Ray Howell. All the money I got in the bank, I didn't even know who my friends were. You know, you got a lot of money. You don't know who your friends were. And uh, people were fighting over it. I wasn't even dead yet. What I'm going to, I can't take it with me. I accomplished here. And the records in powerlifting, I want you to know those records have already been broken. I knew they would get broken because somebody had a little better day than me and worked at it as hard as I was going to break them. Mm -hmm. 
what I accomplished there. My name's not even a record books. And so I said to Karen, I told her, I said, Karen, I gave my heart to the Lord today. I'm not going back to those things. God's calling me to a ministry. And that is to let every kid know that no matter what their problems are, God's got a purpose for them, and it's not the garbage on the streets. Wow. And my wife looked at me, and she said, Ray, you do what you think is best, and I'm sticking with you. And you know something? At that point, too, I didn't realize what kind of a warrior bride I had. Mm. And, you know, that, that day I started uh, reading the Bible with my wife. And, uh, you know, going forward, uh, my life really changed. Within the next three months, my life changed. I wanted to know how uh, giving my heart to the Lord the way I did and, and having the, the Holy Spirit enter me, I wanted to know what happened to me. I, this thing was so clear that it made it as clear as clear could be that uh, I don't go back to those things. And, you know, uh, I found that reading the scriptures, uh, that Bible is alive. Mm -hmm. It guides you. It tells you. Uh, reading uh, in Genesis, reading about uh, God taking my rib and making a helper just right me. I didn't realize that my wife was a gift to me. Mm. And, and, you know, uh, in, in within a three-month period of time, my eyes were so focused on Karen that there is no woman in the world as beautiful as she is. It, it's amazing. So there were so many things that had happened in, in a short period of time. But on that day that Karen says to me, do what you think is best, and I'm sticking with you. I had no idea how I was going to make a living. I didn't know uh, how things were going to go. I wasn't real sure about uh, how we were going to do some of these things. All I know is that everything that had happened to me since I was five years old, since the day my dad left, happened for a purpose. And that purpose was to train me to the day that God called me. And on that day was the day I gave my heart to the Lord. And I, and I was not going to go back on my promise. And it's pretty amazing because everything that could have gone upside down did go upside down. And, and at any given time, I, I could have broke my promise and went back to the business and, 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 and been well off and not had the struggles that, that we've had. But on the other hand, when you read in the scriptures about the struggles and, and the rewards and, and the things that have gone on with the other uh, apostles and disciples, man, it's no different. You suffer for Christ and there's great rewards. His promise is true. It's going to be pretty interesting when I'm when I go home. So, what had happened was God gave me a vision. I'm putting on a camp. Now, this camp has a lot to do with what happened in the two days that I spent with Tom Polkey, mm -hmm. because we played games and we had a campfire and we told stories and all different things. And God also told me He said, uh, "You can't charge anything for the camp." These single parent moms and the grandma and grandpas can't five uh, can't afford five or ten dollars for these kids to come to camp. The camps have got to be free. So, boy, I remember the first camp we put on, and uh, it was amazing. Anything that could have gone upside down did go upside down, but we had the time of our life. And all of a sudden, a marshmallow fight breaks out. I mean, this is the most amazing thing. You're, I mean, everybody in the whole place is in the middle of a marshmallow fight. But the opportunity to share the gospel once you came to those kids' level 
was pretty uh, was pretty amazing, and to witness God's victory in these kids, not only the kids' lives but in the parents' lives, because most people don't realize that the devil has kind of taken this whole world and, and turned it into his territory, and they think all this stuff is normal that we're uh, we're in, and and they don't realize that the devil's got a grip on things. When you open up the opportunity for them to know that there's another way and that's Jesus Christ I'll tell you what it's pretty amazing when you see people give their hearts to the Lord and change their life that's awesome so you have these events and then uh, from these events I'm assuming that kids will sign a form saying they want to have a mentor for hunting and then you select the uh, mentoring relationships based on that is that how that works Ray yeah it's pretty close what we do is we find out what kids don't have uh, a father figure in their life and we put on group hunting trips and group fishing trips or our outings uh, it can be uh, bicycles trips or whatever it may be but uh, we pair them up with mentors so i you know on your last three words of your mission statement are one-on-one i, I want to go back to 365 whitetails and their website and what they said about you they said quote ray howell learned how to hunt and he was he learned how to love and then you said Three different times uh, so far, you talked about keeping your promises. You said that Tom, your your initial mentor, uh, kept his promise. And then you just said to me, I wasn't going to go back on my promise. And then you were a young man who at 12 years old, your grandpa got cancer, and, and I'm assuming he died? Yes, he did. And then at 13, you're in the system. And the yep. system is, is you know, a lot of promises made and not kept, but you ran into a man of integrity who kept his promises. And that seems, from your story, to be a catalyst to this day that you're keeping your promises. So here's my question, Ray. How, how does keeping your promises interact with loving another person in this one-on-one relationship? How do those two uh, interact and work together? Well... To know that you got somebody that is there, that's made a promise, and has the integrity to keep that promise, is is uh, pretty amazing. Somebody that cares about you enough that, uh, uh, hey, I, I, I'm making this promise to you, and, and this promise is what this is what we're going to do, and you know in your heart they're going to do their best to follow up on that. Uh, that is, uh, you know. It's, it's it's amazing to be able to have men that have your back. And this is the other thing, too, in going to Bible studies. You know, I used to think that going to Bible study might be a little bit mousy or a little bit uh, different because I'm in with a bunch of guys that are, well, I'm going to tell you something. In all the things I've done in my life, trying to be the absolute best I could be uh, strength-wise or with a bowl in my hand or making a lot of money, I'll tell you right now, the toughest men I know love the Lord. Mm-hmm. They've drawn that line, and they follow Christ. And God has given me a job description. My job description is to be a disciple to make disciples. It's a real short job description, but I'm going to tell you something. To follow that job description and follow Christ is uh, a promise that, boy, I'll tell you what, it's tough not to break. Yeah, that's that, good. Well, yeah, you said early earlier in the podcast you said <clears throat> that you look for you look for men to step step up out of their everyday life 
to mentor these young kids. So not only do they step up, but they need to step up and they need to have already stepped up as men of integrity and as promise keepers, correct? That's right. So, That's right. So here's something. I, on your video, it looked like you have you know boys and girls. In this yes. mentoring relationship, what is your percentage of boys to girls? Boy, it's, it's uh, pretty close to 50%. As a matter of fact, at the camps, it's pretty close to 50%. Wow. You know, we, we talked about uh, Mike Miller in Indiana. I think his camp every year is around 500 kids. Wow. And I'll tell you, it's pretty close to 50-50. You want to talk about a guy that knows how to tear it up and have fun. I'll tell you what, you'll probably be sore for about three days on the way home from all the fun you'll have with Mike out there. But, <laughs> true story. Yeah, but, we'll be out with him in November. Hand, yeah, on the other hand, uh, the men and women that are a part of this ministry – and this is the other thing I'll, I'm going to correct with you. Uh, everybody says, Ray Howell is the founder. I am a founding servant. There is no way I could have put this together. Mm -hmm. And uh, without God at the helm of it. And to find people like Mike Miller and John Strassheim and and, and uh, all the rest of the guys who run these camps, uh, Dave Hentosh out in Maine. I mean, God had a purpose for what went on and to meet these people. And their hearts are the same. Uh and talking to the guys from the sheriff's department, their testimony coming back, Ray, you cannot believe what it's like to be on the streets with kids that have been at kicking bear compared to kids that have never been at kicking bear. You know what we do at the camps? We make sure that the sheriff's department is there and the police departments and the, the fire departments and military are there so that these kids can see what the sacrifice is and see that these people really care. And I'll tell you what, when we're all, all together having a blast, doing what God's called us to do, uh, them walls are broke down, but those yeah. are the walls the enemy likes to use. So, yeah. well, now how? So, Mike Miller, for example, our mutual friend in uh, Indiana. So, is he doing one camp a year, and then he has the program off of that, or are there multiple camps? How does that work? Uh, Mike does a full blown kicking bear camp uh, once a year, and then they do different things with kids throughout the years. Yeah, Mike's got all kinds of stuff he does. He's got a baseball teams and stuff. I mean, he does really cool stuff for the kids. And yeah. that's kind of the same thing that we do with uh, the others is to have it that once we have a camp, and there too, when we find out who's given their heart to the Lord, we'll find the local churches and ministries with the right doctrine, and we'll uh, pair these families up so they can go to church so they can start uh, getting the word. And, uh, you know, that's the other thing too is, uh, I know everything's in God's hands, but when you have the best weekend out of your life and you give your heart to the Lord, and then the next day you go back to whatever it was that is a nightmare to you and it continues to go on, there's no change and there's no change. Mm. And, and you know, it's just like me uh, reading the scriptures. If I don't read the scriptures every day, uh, I can start getting a, a dark cancer coming into me, so to speak. Yep. Oh, for sure. And, uh, I, I honestly got to be in the scriptures all the time because I know how weak of a human I am. And in uh, knowing that, that becomes my strength. And uh, what's kind of funny one day, uh, my wife said, I was talking to her, I said, isn't it amazing that these animals that I pursued could be in 60 below zero weather and, and, and out there walking around just like it's summer and no problems? And I said, and, and I got to be wearing Eskimo skin clothes and I, and <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm in a space suit. And, and I said, I wonder why God did that. And my wife, she said, you know, God did that so that you would stay focused on him. What an amazing thing. Uh, that is the truth. If we didn't need him, 
we wouldn't uh, uh, we wouldn't need them. And yeah. you know, it, it's it's pretty amazing all the different things that you learn going forward, and all the things about myself uh, that I learned uh, the day I gave my heart to the Lord. I I, I found that there was other uh, men in the Bible that had just dropped their nets and, and walked away from what they did yeah. to do what they were called to do. And uh, they've gone into a lot more extremes than I have. I mean, I I, I get a little bit uh, uh, stretched out when I got to leave for two or three days or a week at a time and turn around, come home, then go back again. Some of those men left for months at a time, if not years yeah. at a time, yeah. and left their families to do what God's called them to do. What I do is a walk in a park compared to what, they've gone through i guess i can say yeah well hey so these kids at this camp that you're talking about i want to kind of go back and, and revisit that you said they're half and half guy girl but what what is the relation what is the ratio that you're see like so you have 50 50 here the brokenness that you see with these uh young boys and girls is there a brokenness a result of a lack of a mother a lack of a father or both what's what do you see mostly I see mostly the lack of a spiritual leader, which is the father. Okay. The same thing when my grandpa passed away. He was the leader of the family. He uh, he was the guy. And when he was gone, uh, it was gone. And then that's when the bullying started. My sister, who was a very beautiful girl, thought she was ugly because of all the rejection in her life. Oh. Yeah, and there was things that I found out from my sister that was just scary. So it isn't just the boys who have uh, terrible things go on. It's also girls. Yeah. And, and for me, that's why with the camps, if we got uh, ladies that are there and, and they hunt or, or fish or they ride bikes or they mountain climb, and there's other things that we get these kids involved with besides the garbage on the streets, uh, that's what we do. And it's pretty amazing because if a person thinks they're going to uh, – take a lot of their own time out of their own life to help a kid that they don't even know i will tell you something right now and mike miller will be the first one to tell you that kid will change your life yeah you will learn so much from that kid it's amazing and, and in reality spending time with that kid becomes uh, a friendship not not a responsibility and uh that's what I found. Well, and that's the great secret in life, right? I mean, I've had many, many talks with my kids. I said, it's not about making money. Your true wealth is in serving others and in relationships. And when you serve others, you receive a dividend that's far and away what you've invested. And that's that's what people don't realize. People have this, this lie they bought into that the more I have and the more I make, the happier I'll be. True happiness does not come from the pursuit of you. It comes from the pursuit of God and and serving others. Have you found that to be true in your life, Ray? Well, that's very well said. Like uh, earlier when I talked about trying to set another world record or, or, or whack another animal or put more money in a bank, it never ends. There is no cap to that. You keep pursuing that to the point that your whole focus is no longer on your family your kids are in. Your focus is on what you want to do, and hey, look at me. And I'll tell you what, when you shed that stuff, see, the devil uses that. It's a huge distraction. You know what that distraction is? It's to keep you away from what God has planned for yeah. you, and it's to keep you away from the joy in life. And more importantly, uh, you know, uh, to keep you away from the opportunity to be able to give your heart to the Lord and to spend eternity 
in heaven with him. Well, his and, prom- and here's the thing that, uh, you know, I'm 52, so I'm a little bit younger than you, but one of the things I've noticed in the church, and this is a harsh reality, when I say it, people's eyes perk up, I don't see a whole lot of difference with men in the church as men. I know a lot of great men who are not Christian men, and I lot I know a lot of horrible men that go to church. So I'm trying to so these men in the church who are horrible and who aren't doing they're selfish and they're not they're just kind of falling on the coattails of their wife. What I've noticed is they haven't crossed over to a uh, solid pursuit of Jesus Christ. What they've done is they're 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 in church. But just because I'm in Burger King, I'm not a, doesn't make me a whopper, right? And so there's this there's this gap between men and the church, and so we're trying to bridge that gap, and that's what you're saying. Getting involved earlier, you said need to get involved in a Bible study with a group of other men, so that these men who are over here can bridge the gap between who they are and who they need to be, right? That's right. It all starts with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Religion means very little to me. Having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is everything. And, you know, that is your accountability partner, not your wife, not your yeah. brother, not anybody. Jesus Christ. So having that and knowing that, what you're talking about, when you go to church and people claim to be believers and are doing whatever earthly thing it is that they uh, want to do to be on the next level, you know, that really kind of knocks things down. But they will answer for that. Yeah. Uh, and, and and so will uh, going forward, drawing that line and following Christ to what he's called you to do. You may have to drop your job. You may have to uh, change your life completely to do what you're called to do. And most people are not willing to do that. I've had that stated to me before, Ray. I, I would be afraid to ask God what I what he wants me to do because I might have to change my life. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you something. We're only here for a real short period of time. And and yeah. once you're gone and then you got eternity to spend wherever you decided, uh, I'm going to tell you, that's a long time. Well, uh, so the Man Card Podcast, Ray, comes under the organization that we founded in 2012, The Great Hunt for God. And so I love to hunt, but we are not a hunting ministry like yours. We, what we come, Our name is came about from a word in Philippians 3 where Paul says, forgetting what is behind me, I press on. Well, the word press on in the Greek is dioko, and that word means to hunt or pursue. And so what we're telling men is very similar to what you're saying. We're saying the greatest hunt that you can ever go on, the greatest trophy you can ever pursue is the God of the universe. And until you get that right, guy, you're going to be in a in Burger King telling people you're a whopper. They're going to look at you like you're crazy. You know what I'm saying? And that's what we have to get in the minds of these men and these young ch- kids we're mentoring is, guys, this is the greatest journey that you can go on is for the God who made you. In fact, you can never become your best version unless you radically pursue the God who developed the plan so you can be that best version. That's right. Man, you'll, it's never just, find, you'll never find true joy in this uh, hazardous territory, unless you're following Christ. Well, I agree, 100%. And and a lot of our guys listening, we call them our men in the arena. They're men in the stress bubble of life. They're raising kids. They're working hard. uh, They're hardworking American dudes. But but a lot of these guys listening today are going through the motions, man. 
they're following their wife to church maybe, or they're not even going to church, or they're not engaged. What would you say to those guys? A strand of three will hold that marriage together. It will also hold your family together. And if anybody thinks they are above the enemy tearing their family apart, he's already got you going down the wrong path. Mm. Uh, what, what I'll tell you is this here that I've learned. Being around other men who have got the same struggles that I have and that any of these men that are listening have uh, that love the Lord makes a big difference because the devil's got all kinds of things out there for us to go down the wrong path on. Uh, chasing money, uh, looking at women. I mean, you name it, drinking. I mean, it's all right there. It's so easy to have. Yeah. And, you know, these men who are in Bible study with you, who are, are the real deal, they got your back. They're not there for your money. They're not there for your fame. They're not there to get out of you what they're looking for. They're there for the same reason you are. They want to stay on the path of following Christ, and, and iron sharpens iron. Yeah, and that's, absolutely. Uh, that's what... That's what I've witnessed. And if anybody thinks that this Jesus is a mousy character, I'm going to tell you something. He is the captain of all captains. He's the general of all generals. He is the warrior of all warriors. And, and you know, dying on the cross for us, there's no warrior ever done that. Yeah. And raised again. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, we had a, a guy from Tulsa, Oklahoma on here a while back, Jeff Voth. And he wrote a book called Defending the Feminine Heart. And in that book, he calls Jesus the ultimate alpha male. In fact, he yep. actually said, I am the alpha and the omega. <laughs> so, oh, man. Well, Ray, uh, hey, listen, you you, you uh, have got a great thing going on, man. We appreciate you. We appreciate your heart. Uh, we've got a lot of guys listening that connect with hunting. They connect the outdoors. If we got a guy out there saying, hey, man, I want to volunteer with Kicking Bear. I want to get a Kicking Bear camp in my state. How, how do they go about doing that, my brother? Uh, kickingbear.org. And uh, they can take a look on her and see the things that we do. And they can see some of the other incredible men and women throughout the United States that have stepped up. And uh, if this is something that God puts on your heart, you know, I want you to know that there is one church, one Christ, one ministry. And uh, Kicking Bear is a part of the body. It is. Uh, and so... If God is calling you to be a, a, a part of a, a ministry like this, uh, and this is uh, what you want to do, I mean, we're equally yoked. You're on the same level as me. Let's tear it up and have a blast. And it looks like from your website that and your free events that you rely heavily on your financial donors. Yes. So yep. if somebody wants to give to you, will you take their money? <laughs> yeah. Now we, we need jet fuel so we can get from one end of the states to the other. Oh, man. I hear you. That's good. There's two parts of ministry. We need jet fuel so we can share the gospel. And, and you know, uh, uh, we've been blessed to have just enough every year. You know, last year we did 122 e events throughout the United States. Wow. The, a the average event was 600 people. And, and this is another miracle because how can you feed that many people and nobody pays a dime? It's no different than what you read in the scriptures about a few loaves of bread and a few fish. I see it all the time. I, I feel blessed. I work hard at what I'm called to do, but the victory in Christ that I witness is amazing. And uh, so uh, if, you, uh, if you're ready for a battle, if you're ready to get on the front line uh, and to uh, do what God's called you to do, I'm going to tell you what, I wasn't kidding. When you come to a camp like what Mike Miller's got 
and have all the fun we have there. Uh, we're using tomahawks. We're using bows and arrows. We're using fishing poles. We're using tug-of-war ropes, gunny sack. Those are our weapons. We're using those. That's the battlefield we're at. We're tearing up and have the best time of your life. And it's pretty amazing to witness when you come to these kids' level uh, and share the gospel. You don't, you have that many people at a camp, you can hear a pin drop in front of the fire. How can that be when the, when the gospel is being shared? And the number of people that give their heart to the Lord because they want to get out of this garbage that we are in and, and they want a better life. Uh, some of the things that we witness with these kids and the things that they're in, I wouldn't want to be in them. I was lucky to go through what I went through. Some of the stuff that these kids are in, it's horrible. It's terrible. And so they get to come to a camp and find out that there really is a God. And no matter what their problems are, God's got a purpose for them. And it's not what's going on back at home. It's what's going on and what, what's going to happen in the future as you follow him. Man, and that's, that's what just... we do. Well, we sure appreciate that. And you're 18 and a half years fighting the fight, man. Uh, that's awesome. So hopefully uh, we will. you'll hear from some of our people. And God bless you on your pursuit. So, hey, thanks so much for taking this time to share your wisdom, your experience, your heart for God with our men in the arena and for being the man that you are, my friend. So thank you so much. Yeah, and as a foster parent, I want to say thank you for what you're doing. Well, thank you. You know, the foster parents, too, system, the foster parents are godly people and have a, a spiritual look in life. I mean, they take these kids, and that's the other thing, too. Your job is your ministry. Your home is your ministry. Mm -hmm. You are the spiritual leader. So no matter what you do, I was called the kicking bear. He may have kept me back in the, the business I was, and I was, uh, John Strassheim also was a great example. So was uh, Matt McPherson. They turned their companies into ministries. Mm -hmm. This is what they do. They follow Christ, and everything that goes on is to serve the Lord. And I'll tell you right now, that's why they're successful. Yep. Well, hey, man, thank you so much for coming on. Man, we are really excited that you're here, man. So thank you so much. Hey, guys, you've been listening to this episode of the Man Card Podcast. Changing your world is the toughest thing you'll ever do, but we want to have help you to do that in three steps to encourage you. First one, enlist. Download the free Great Hunt for God app. has all of our messages, blogs, training videos, Bible app, and life-changing leaks. Subscribe also to the Man Card Podcast if you haven't done so. And also join thousands of men from around the world with our Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum. These are all free, guys. They're just offered to you. Guys, number two, invest. Go to our gear page or app. Invest in the resources. Get together with a group of guys. Start a study with our books or any books. I don't care. And become your best version. And three, change your world get in the game guys serve whether it's through kicking bear whether it's through the great hunt for god whether it's through your local church or community guys get involved in serving others if you want true joy and happiness in this life guys join us in building an army of men who are becoming the best version of themselves and changing their world because when a man gets it everyone, everyone wins. wins until next time feel the wet sand on the arena floor hear the deafening roar of the crowd Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man. This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Has your man card been challenged today? If you hunger to be the best version of you, then join thousands of men from around the world on our closed Facebook forum called The Men in the Arena. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of manhood. Also, make sure you ask about our newest equipping opportunity called the Man Card Weekend. 
with the men in the arena. Let us inspire the men of your organization to become the best version of themselves today. And don't forget to purchase a copy of our popular field guide, A Bathroom Book for Men. Jim wrote this book for men who don't read books. It's a daily study of manly words explained with great stories. You will find enough entries to read one a day for an entire year. That's right, 365 daily readings on what a man is and does. Get your own copy at mancardpodcast.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Man Card Podcast. This is Dale Culver signing off. Until next time, join our army and become the best version of you. Get in the arena. Let the world feel the full weight of who you are. Grind it out. Be a man. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.